Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. Before I start, I want to let everybody know that I will be at the grand opening of Brooklyn Video Games' new second location this Friday, Friday the 19th, I believe. I'll be there in the afternoon, I'll leave a link to their Twitter page and their full address. But if you're around, definitely come by, check out the store, pick up some cool new stuff, and say hi if you see me. I have no idea what etiquette is anymore. Are we supposed to shake hands, hug, stay at six feet of distance with a pole in front of us to make sure nobody comes close? I have no idea what etiquette is anymore, so I'm just just going to be hanging out being me and hopefully I get to see a bunch of you awesome people there uh, if you could make it but anyway let's jump into the news GameTech has just opened pre-orders on an opaque black version of the Dreamcast replacement shell. These are the same exact shell and molds that have been around for a while that are super high quality and really awesome. I certainly love all of the different ones that I've seen floating around. And this is just a different color and picture variation of it. I believe they were available at one other time and sold out pretty quickly, but I think... Jason's getting a bunch of these, so if you are interested in the black version of these shells, definitely check out the picture, check out the link, and see if any of these were the ones that you were waiting for. Um, you know, I like so many different models of these. I've seen them in different colors and different types with different jewels on them, and I think it'd be really hard to pick my favorite. So uh, if you've been kind of sitting on uh, sitting on this, waiting to pre-order or not, now check it out and see all of the different colors that are available uh, and pick whichever one works for your setup the best. But it's awesome that new color choices are, are going to be more available. Todd has just released the 3D printed design files for the RetroTINK 5X vertical stand. So if you have your own 3D printer, you could print your own if you'd like. Or of course, you could still purchase direct from Todd on retrofrog.net. I mean, I'm always super, super appreciative of when creators open source their designs. They certainly don't have to. There's nothing requiring them to do so. Uh, and I just think it's awesome that that they're willing to share their creations with the world. So if you don't have a 3D printer and you want one of these, please consider buying directly from Todd just to support the creator. Uh, but if you do have a 3D printer, print one of these up in whatever color you have and, uh, and enjoy it. I talked about it when uh, Todd first released it. I really like it. I still have mine sitting here. Uh, and I think it's a really good thing for people that want a vertical stand. But now there's another option available too. And speaking of RetroTINK 5X mounting solutions, Greg from LaserBear has just started selling a wall mount for it. This wall-mounted bracket has four screw hole mounting points so that you could affix it in any orientation on the wall. And it's also keyed so that the feet on the front of the Tink 5X will snap right in place and allow it to, to be pretty sturdy without moving around at all. You kind of uh, unsnap the snaps, slide this in place, and then snap it in. Uh, if you're watching on video, you can see it. If not, please check out the links. Uh, it, I even have a little YouTube short video just kind of showing how it snaps in. But overall, it seems to be a really sturdy solution, uh, and it's a great choice for people that want to wall mount their RetroTank 5X. So it's really cool to see these different solutions pop up. I, I can't wait to see who else comes up with whatever else. And I bet you Mike 
appreciates these as well because it, it must feel really good to, to create a product that people really like and then see other people make stuff around it that kind of embraces it and and you know shows you what else you could do with it so i just think these things are cool for everybody so if you needed a wall mount for it definitely check out the post and the links to everything you need Software developer Thunderstruck has recently updated the HyperFlasher app for the HyperFlash 32 ROM cart, and I figured I would go over it here and both as a reminder for people that own one or uh, informational for people who might be purchasing one in the future and want to know how it works. Basically, the HyperFlash 32 is a ROM cart for the Virtual Boy that allows you to select your game right from its e-ink screen and capacitive touch buttons, and then once the game loads, it essentially turns it into a Virtual Boy game. So it's not a boot your console and choose your game with a menu like a traditional EverDrive ROM cart would be. Uh, it's its own thing, but it doesn't require anything other than power to change your games. So you don't need to tether it to a computer, you don't need any custom software. However, to configure it, the HyperFlasher app is the software that you would use. So once again, to be clear, you don't need to tether your computer to the HyperFlash 32 ROM cart, but you do need to use it for setup. And the two main uses for the HyperFlasher app, number one would be firmware. So then, of course, then you would need to tether it to your computer with a USB cable, load this app, and flash the firmware that way. It's about as easy as it gets. You don't need special drivers or anything, just plug it right in. Um, and then if you unplug it, but then remove the micro SD card and insert that into your computer, you could use the HyperFlasher app to change things like which e-ink label appears on the screen after you load a game, as well as which icon shows up as, uh, as you're loading the game. So which little progress indicator pops up. And I had a really hard time choosing which label I wanted for each of my games. They're all community submissions, so they're all awesome members of the Virtual Boy community have created these from scratch. And some of them had multiple really awesome choices. So you basically go through and just select which one you want for each. Uh, and then when you're done, just eject the card, put it in your HyperFlash 32, and you're all set. So it's uh, the app isn't technically necessary to use it, but it's something I feel like you'll probably go back to, especially because you just throw your micro SD card in and, and configure it that way. But it, it's a really great way to get custom artwork on there and to do a little bit more tweaking. So if you have a HyperFlash 32, or if you plan on getting one, definitely pick up this app and also all of the uh, all of the SD card file structure stuff that goes with it. I have all of the links in the main post here, but basically you just uh, setting up your HyperFlash 32 is formatted micro SD card, load the SD card file structure, and then load up your games and then select your icons with HyperFlasher. So overall, it's super easy, definitely worth checking out. I have been waiting weeks, if not months now, to tell you all about this, and it's finally here, the HD15 discard adapter. So a few things about this. First of all, we named it the HD15 discard adapter, both because that's technically an HD15 connector, and because there were already a whole bunch of VGA discard adapters out there that were different. They're not necessarily better or worse, they just don't do exactly what this does, so I didn't want anybody to be confused by it, uh, and I certainly didn't want anybody to use the wrong device for their setup, which may or may not cause harm depending on what equipment you have. 
the basic overview of this. And of course, I go into detail of all of the specific uses and examples in the video, so please watch that. But basically, it's for people that want to either pass through RGBS from a D-sub style connector to a SCART port with proper attenuation on the sync line. So, Mr. Users, this is definitely a go-to thing that I would recommend. Or it's for people that want to take RGB-HV, something like a Dreamcast VGA cable, and combine that to RGBS. That's all switchable with this uh, little um, switch inside it. Uh, I show all of this in the video, except this is a prototype case. The production case is going to be a little bit longer down the SCART head. It'll have writing on it and everything. So it's going to be the exact same circuit design. So it'll function identical to what you see in the video. It'll just look a little prettier, I guess. Um, and it, overall, I think this is something that's going to be a great use for people that want to interface basically D-sub to SCART. Of course, your target device still needs to accept whatever signal is being sent to it because this only passes through the RGB, RGB lines. The sync line is the only thing that it does any conversion to. So whatever signal you send it, a 240p, a 480p, that's what the target device is going to get. Um, if you want to build your own, the open source files should be available fairly soon. Uh, they were holding off on releasing those until they started to ship for all of the positive reasons that we discussed in the open source podcast that we did a while back. Um, if you do build your own, it's not an easy build only because of the small surface mount components because I wanted this as small as possible. Um, and if you notice in the video, one of the components on there is very, very small. And that's because I ordered the wrong part. Or maybe T sent me the link for the wrong part just to play a joke on me to see if I could solder something you know, the size of a pinhead pretty much. Uh, but I sort of kind of did. Don't worry, if you end up assembling it yourself and you're already comfortable assembling SMD stuff, you could pull it off, um, but it's it's really small. This isn't something that I would recommend for beginners or anything like that. Uh, we're also talking about releasing the opposite, SCART to VGA, and that's for the purpose of things like taking the output from a G-SCART switch or any switch, I guess, and then using a VGA cable to connect to your RGB monitor, your other you know, your other equipment, whatever it might be, but there will be no circuit in that whatsoever. And I think there's a couple of versions we're going to release. One that looks just like this, that should be super easy to solder yourself. The opposite, it'll just be three connectors, you know, D-sub, audio, and SCART. Um, and uh, I don't know if those will be made at all. We'll probably just post those as an open source design if you need them. And then there's going to be a couple other different orientations and ways to do that. And I'm not really sure how popular those will be, so they might all just end up being open source stuff that you could solder yourself very easily. Uh, but these, I think, are going to be a giant, giant help for people. Please check out the video once again for all the details. I've been holding off on releasing this next post until the HD15 discard adapter was out, so people would have another option to fix this, as well as because I was talking to a bunch of different cable manufacturers to discuss this issue. But the post is titled, Beware of Mr. Scart Cables. And while it is a little bit clickbaity, it's 100% true. But before I get into it, I just want to make sure everybody knows that there's nothing wrong with the Mister. I don't want people to misunderstand and think that I'm throwing shade at the Mister team or anything like that. It is not the case at all. The Mister is perfect. It's just a matter of purchasing the right cable, which is the same thing I've talked about a lot over the past month. If you buy a well-built, 
properly built SCART cable, you have nothing to worry about. And if you buy the wrong one, there could be lots of problems. So here's the issue. The IO board adapter for the Mister has a D-sub style VGA looking output that could output VGA, RGB, or component video. Now, if you're using component video, there is zero issues. Flip the switch on the side, uh, plug in just a pass-through adapter, D-sub to RCA, you don't need anything special, and set your INI file and you're good. Same thing with VGA cables. If you're going uh, line doubling to a VGA monitor, just plug in a standard VGA cable. You can get good shielded ones for like $9. Nothing to worry about there. Zero, zero things to worry about. But if you have it set to RGBS mode, so standard RGB for RGB monitors and stuff, you have to be aware that the sync level is TTL level voltage, which is perfectly fine for many things like most RGB monitors. Please double check your service manual just to make sure. But you should be able to, if you're doing something like connecting your mister to a uh, HDTV or a streaming setup, use the HDMI out. And if you're connecting it also to an RGB monitor, you could just use a VGA to BNC cable. And that would be fine for most RGB monitors. You just have to double check that they could accept the, the three volts it sends. But if you're going into SCART equipment, just like all of the other things that we've been talking about, you need to make sure that the sync voltage is at the proper level. And the reason I titled it Beware of Mr. Scart Cables is because there were a few sellers I talked to that said, we don't have the resistor, we don't make these, we just resell them, contact the maker, we don't care, which is really shitty. Um, you know, I'm not going to say who it was because I don't want to turn this into a, to a fight. All I'm going to say is, if, if you're buying a cable for your mister to plug into SCART devices, check it. Either pop the SCART head open, which is super easy. You're not going to break it. You know, it's easy to open up and just check to see that a resistor is in there. Or if you have a multimeter and uh, the cheapest multimeter in the planet should be able to work fine for this. But you basically just touch the pins to both sync points. And if it beeps, that means there's no resistor and it's a pass-through cable. If it doesn't beep and it shows you resistance, you should be good. Especially if it shows around 470 ohms of resistance, which is about the sweet spot for the mister. Um, the SCART standard should be able to tolerate between... 200 and 900 volts ish give or take uh, so that's kind of a good thing to have it, you know as long as it's around 470 you should be good with that and that's pretty much it the only problem i have with mr scart cables is that i've used many devices in the past that were custom that were d sub to scart that did not need a resistor in it at all so if the only device that you have in your in your house or your setup that requires a cable like this is the mister, get get a cable, make sure it's got the resistor in it, and you're good to go. But if you're like me and you have drawers and piles of cables of different things for different uses, that's where I would strongly recommend getting something like the HD15 to start for your mister. Because just by looking at it, you could tell, oh, okay, this is that thing, you know, it's, it's labeled, it will be labeled the production version. It's got the little hole in front for the sync combiner, so I know what this is. So you know, just by looking at this thing, you can grab a VGA cable in this, and you have nothing to worry about. In fact, even if you forget to send your mister to RGBS mode, this will still handle it because it's got the sync combiner in it. So no, basically, no matter what, as long as the HD15 discard is built correctly or bought from a, a reputable reseller, you plug a VGA cable in with your mister and you never have anything to worry about, uh, at least from a voltage point of view. You still get to set your resolution output and stuff. So that's why I generally would recommend that. And that's why I've been holding off. 
Um, I'm sure there's going to be cable sellers that are pissed at me for saying that, but my opinion's always going to be my opinion, uh, whether it's right or wrong. It just it's, it's how I feel about it today, at least. My opinions change all the time. Um, if you do want a, a cable with the resistor in it, I linked to retro gaming cables because I talked to Rob about it. I also am going to start a list of other sellers that I haven't actually tested theirs yet, but I've I've talked to the seller who have confirmed that there's definitely a resistor in it so i'll just start adding that to this post um, and then i'll link this post on the main mister page but i wanted to make sure to thoroughly explain myself here probably talk too much as usual but i just wanted to get the points across there's nothing wrong with the mister you cannot use just a basic pass-through to go from vga to scart equipment but possibly other equipment extron cross planes would be totally fine stuff like that um, and if you are going to go from the Mr. Descartes, I do recommend using the adapter just because you can't make a mistake with that. Um, but buying a properly built cable is totally awesome too. So check out the post, check out the HD15 Descartes video that I just talked about and decide what's best for you. But the Mr. is amazing. Uh, you know, if you have one and you have an RGB monitor, you got to try it because some consoles you'll never see look as good as this because the original motherboards have a bunch of interference, etc. So I'm a huge fan of the project and I just wanted to support it. So I really hope this whole thing came out as positive, not like finger wagging at the mister or anything. So anyway, check it out if you're interested. Shank Mods recently released a video talking about how they converted a Virtual Boy to a handheld console. And everything about it is awesome. The process they went through, what they created to make it happen, how it looks and how it works. Uh, I just think stuff like this is absolutely awesome. And I do want to talk about some thoughts on it, but I also don't want to, you know, don't want to spoil the video. I, I know for me personally, I always like to go into these with a uh, just a completely fresh slate and, and enjoy it in real time. So skip to the next or, or earmuffs, spoiler warning, but... The two things that really struck out is I love how Shank made a big deal about how they used a broken Virtual Boy, because I think that's kind of what things like the Virtual Tap were meant for, adding video out to a working Virtual Boy like mine, or taking something that's completely smashed up and there's no way it could be repaired reasonably, um, and turning that into a consoleized version. And that's exactly what Shank did with this. They took a, a broken Virtual Boy that would it just would have been too much effort to fix. You would, you know, not all the parts are available, etc. Used the main motherboard and turned it into something awesome. And I also liked how they created custom circuit boards for the controllers. And not only did I think it's awesome for this, I completely see a use for that for people that want to make custom controllers uh, or I guess even boards to install in arcade sticks for Virtual Boys. I have exactly that. I have a broken Virtual Boy controller that did not work, but we were still able to salvage the board out of it and install that into an arcade stick so that I could play Hyper Fighting and pretty much all other games that fit well with an arcade style stick on the Virtual Boy. So hopefully Shank would consider open sourcing those boards or just keeping them closed source and selling them or something. But I think that would be a pretty cool thing for people that wanted to make their own controller for a Virtual Boy. So um, hopefully Shank's listening and would consider open sourcing it. But even if not, it's an awesome video and I highly recommend it. And hopefully those two little things that I just said don't spoil it for anybody. 
The Nintendo Switch game, A Robot Named Fight, now has a physical edition open for pre-orders. I guess this was a digital-only game that was released a while back, and now there's two physical editions you could buy. One that they're calling a premium edition, which looks just like a high-quality retail release. There's the game, a manual, and I think something else in the box. Uh, It's basically somebody like me who's a gamer that likes physical editions would buy And then there's also what they're calling a retro edition, which seems like a collector's edition that has a few extra things in it, an NES retro style box, basically the stuff that collectors would usually appreciate and enjoy, and that's 60. So I love that there's two. Uh, I know so many people out there that appreciate all of the little extras that come with these things and are happy to spend the extra money. And I also know a bunch of people that just want the game and then want the physical edition. So uh, I love that there's a choice of both. Um... Now, the game itself seems interesting. When I started to read about it, I actually got bummed out that I hadn't heard about it before, because stuff like this usually is exactly the type of game I like to play. But I would like to ask the question for anybody who has played it. Maybe start the discussion, I don't know. But because I haven't played it, this might be a stupid question. But the game uh, supposedly is a procedurally generated labyrinth type of a game, but also a Metroidvania. And I don't understand how you could have both at the same time, because one of the things about Metroidvanias is the exploration of it. So basically, you have a map, and as you're running through this world, you see areas that you can't get to, but you remember it. And then as you get new abilities and uh, you know new items and stuff like that, you're now able to access those areas you weren't able to before. So then you could go back through the same places and kind of, you know, enjoy discovering new things. So if it's procedurally generated, how does that happen? Um, so I'd love to hear people's thoughts on that. This is definitely a game that seems like I would something I would love to play, but I'm certainly curious about that, and I'm always interested to hear people's opinions on this, especially opinions about games, because there really isn't a right or wrong opinion. You could have two people that, you know, one loves and one hates the same game, and they could both be right. So I'm always interested in hearing people's thoughts about that. But either way, if you're a fan of the game, or if you want to buy a physical edition of a cool new Metroidvania procedurally generated thing, please check out the post. Uh, and both are available for pre-order, and I believe they said it'll ship this this fall, so within a few months. Before I go, I just want to let everybody know that pre-orders for the Mega Man Wily Wars game end this Monday the 21st. So this is the last podcast that I'll be able to talk about it while it's still available for sale. I talked about it a while back when they first opened up, but basically Mega Man The Wily Wars is a compilation of some of the original NES Mega Man games, but made in a 16-bit style on the Sega Genesis. And I've always really enjoyed it. I've downloaded different ROMs over the years for it, but this version of it uh, is is fixed. They have some of the save issues fixed. There's a few other changes that they've added to it, and it's the first official U.S. cartridge version you could buy. And this is honestly the most excited I've ever been for a a re-release or a release like this. Um, So if you want to play the game uh, officially on a cartridge, this is a great way to do it. The PCBs were designed by Renee from DB Electronics, so they're going to be beveled edges, they're going to run at the right voltage, and they're probably going to have the hard gold edges on them as well, I'm assuming, because all of that stuff is is pretty stringent when it goes through Renee. So basically, you're going to get a high-quality cartridge of a very cool game. So uh, if you're interested, now's your last chance. You have till Monday. The price is $70. Uh, And it's a full collector's edition of it, too. So you get a whole bunch of neat stuff with it. Well, that's it for this week. 
Hopefully I'll get to see some of you at the new Brooklyn video game store this Saturday. Uh, but if not, I want to thank you anyway for watching, listening, playing nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to anybody who supports in any way possible. Because it's you who's keeping all of the stuff. The website, the podcast, the YouTube channel, and the tons of behind-the-scenes research and development I'm involved in. It is you who's keeping it going. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week.